Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity treatment. M O L M M. What? Feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, it's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto tune that. Put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. All right. Six hours later. Y'all done got digging the time. Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that prides itself in being neither all male nor morally questionable. I'm your host, Ben Helms. Thank you, Jason, for the clap. And with me, as always, is my crime-fighting but also crime-inducing friend, the most from the other coast, Corrigan Vaughn. How's it going? I, don't, I was tired when I wrote that. Tell me of your crimes, Corey. What have you induced? <laughs> a lot of beatdowns. A lot of beatdowns, yeah. I honestly wasn't sure which one of us you were introducing with that. So that was that was a roller coaster for me. It's like so what? many crimes between the two of us. You know, it's like yeah. it could it could really go either way, but I'm not going to say them on here. You're recording. <laughs> That's true. And I guess Texas is on a coast. That could be the other coast. Well uh, but... the the constitution is clear that you cannot be compelled to testify against a podcast co host. Yeah, that I mean, sounds legit. That's, that's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sounds yeah, right. Yeah. So we're good. And of course, you can't spell men of low morale fiber without Ralphie. Look it up. The main character to this Christmas story will definitely shoot his eye out. Probably should have saved this one for the Christmas special. <laughs> the, fl- the fast clicking pro, Jason Helms. How's, uh, how's the remote teaching going these days? Is, it, is the remote teaching at all like video games? Yeah, I've got to I've got to fast click so much, so many quick clicks. Nice, Just click click click. You know what you should um, do is you get one of those super NES remotes for it, so you can like speed through like kids' speeches oh, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't Forget- mean a, a controller for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. You mean a super controller for the Nintendo Entertainment System. That's uh, what you mean by a super I mean Nintendo it for remote. the Zoom Entertainment System. That's so you can like program but, but in the cheat super codes. Should be the controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Super. Well, I'm lost. I'll see you guys later. All right. Peace out. And we did it. It was a great year. (laughs) She lasted a year. It was great. Uh, um, Today, we're talking all about episode one, which I didn't realize till the end was just the first episode of the 2020 action RPG beat-em-up Treachery in Beatdown City. And Jay, you picked this game out, right? I did. What was your rationale for picking this game for us? Um, So, hadn't played it yet. Um had just heard about it, had heard good things back when it came out in March, uh, particularly around being a beat-em-up that um, had more turn-based mechanics, like an interesting combo fight system uh, that I wanted to check out. Also, trying to diversify our large set of incredibly white game developers, uh, and yeah. a game that I knew of that was created by a black developer, and also a game that had some political messages, although we'll touch on that when we go to development, that the developer, Sean Alexander Allen, actually kind of resists that terminology, so we'll kind of dig into why he might say that this isn't a political game. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I definitely liked the the turn-based aspect of it, uh, I, and I feel like, I always feel like this in RPGs, where I'm like, okay, we're doing the thing, and everything stops, and I have to like go through all these menus to like pick some sort of combination. But then you have things like uh golf story. Yeah. That like flipped that on its head that make the mechanic, the thing you love. And that's what this ended up being for me too. I loved picking out different combos and going through and grappling and doing trade punches and all these different things to like get better and better and better. I thought it was a good kind of deployment of 
it was a good timeline for me as far as like not knowing at all what I was doing to like feeling like I'd mastered the game. It was like a slow dopamine release throughout as I was getting better. I did not master it. I did. Nope. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Not in the slightest. I was it throw the uh, controller the entire time, uh, which is the entire time. I will say, I mean, and I did not finish it because you can only rage so much. It's the first week of school. Um, That's fair. But I don't want to confuse that with like hating the game overall. Uh, But just to say, as we're talking about uh, whether or not the mechanic worked for us and whatnot, it did not. My brain does not work this way. Uh, And the warning at the beginning that says, you know, uh, winners don't winners don't mash winners don't mash buttons. I was like, ah, fuck. Here we go. <laughs> like, that's uh, it's what I do. And I continued to try to button mash the entire yeah. time. And you cannot. It does not work that way. It doesn't work. No. You no, die, you die. so fast. Yeah. We'll jump into the development and gameplay stuff. Uh, but it might be worth talking about uh, even this early on kind of our reaction to the game and just where we're at. Because I, I just gave my pitch for like why we played this game. And for me, it was a very B, B-plus game, right? It didn't deliver. It wasn't that A-level that I wanted of all the things that had been described. And particularly for me, it fell apart on that political issue of, Mm. I think it got oversold to me Mm. as like, this is the perfect game for the Trump era. It will be, you'll be taking down Mm. fascists. You'll be doing this. And I was like, playing the game, I was like, nah, I'm just beating up hipsters. (laughs) And I get it. Like, I get the gentrification aspect and, and white supremacy being part of that, but it's like, I don't know. I kind of want to actually punch a Nazi instead of like random Instagram influencer, which doesn't bother me near as much. But that's part of the development of the game and and where it came from. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear about that because I had that kind of similar thought of uh, then again. Yeah, maybe it's overselling or whatever. But looking at that as um, what was the game we were talking about, I think, in the year of the game. That was kind of the fascist version of this. That was like a great game, but it was extremely fascist. And it was about like cops and uh, you both loved this game, I think. Or you might have been narc. No, that wasn't it. It was something that apparently was extremely fun. So whatever. What year was that that we were talking about? 1993. 1993. So it's some 1993 cop game. Um, And I think that was. I'm not sure that narrows it down, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it was apparently a really good game. You're both like, oh my god. Like, I think Ben hadn't played it, but watched a video and was like, yeah, this looks awesome. But it was extremely fascist. Um, And I think that that was the first time, Jason, that you brought up this game and had been looking at it as like, it, I've heard that it's the answer to this, that it's the yeah. anti-fascist answer to this game. It is not. It's not. It's absolutely not. <laughs> it not. And, uh, And I think that that does color the experience of it because it is, I mean, the politics of it in general, I think, or the way that it lampoons certain politics and certain elements of society are fun and funny. And I got a kick out of the characters in it. But you are just kind of taking out grievances about people who annoy you in society more than about structures in society. Police Quest. Police Quest. Police Quest. That's the one. Yes. That's <laughs> like. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did it. So if you want to, you know, edit it, you know, around and whatnot. I can't. We'll just keep it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's impossible. Yeah. It's like it I was going to try to set it up for you, but no. Police no, Quest okay. was the game we were talking about. It was yeah. Police Quest like five, right? Uh, something like that. It was open the, season. Open. Oh, uh, God. God. And it was. 
Was it written by or inspired by the guy who Daryl oh, Gates? Daryl Gates, yeah, who the, the LAPD uh, chief, mm-hmm. yeah, who was um, um, not indicted, the opposite of indicted, acquitted. Uh, no, not that acquitted the, is in that the, the high five. Yeah, high yeah, five after the Rodney King case. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh God. We knew this history. Go go back and listen to our year of the game ninety three episode. We say it a lot better than this. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, just as a reminder fascism. of where we came from on this game. This yeah. we had kind of come into with that expectation of it being the yes. anti fascist answer to that one. Yeah. Let's continue that conversation. Um, I think because it it actually dovetails well into development. Yeah. So the first interview I found with uh, Sean Alexander Allen, who is for the most part the developer of the game, I couldn't find if anybody else had been involved, um, but he was the the writer, artist, developer, etc. Wow, yeah. And I'm sure if I checked the credits, I would have been smarter about this. Anyway, I found an interview with him from 2014, and there was an early uh, prototype of the game that had most of the, the general mechanics in it. Uh, the graphics were just a little bit lower. Uh, than where it was. And so I think that also tells you a little bit about the political moment of the game. Right. Now, according to another interview I found, he was still rewriting it up until like a month before release. Yeah. He was still wow. adding things in. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can feel some of that. Uh, but the general kind of plot of it, you know, who's the big bad? Well, other than ninjas, it's a Mike Bloomberg standard. Right. Mike um, Moneybags. You know, not a Trump standard. Mike yeah. Moneybags. Yeah. And so it's, it's very much of its moment. Uh, and its moment was 2014. And I think in 2014, it is kind of a scathing um, critique, uh, or at least has some more teeth than it does now. Uh, but the other thing I kind of wanted to bring up with that is, so he says that he, he resists the idea that it's a political game, because politics has to do with who you vote for, right, mm-hmm. and picking sides. Right. And he said, and that's why he doesn't really like that term as much. And I kind of want to just say, well, but you know that that's not what it means. Right. That's a semantics issue, but it's not yeah. what politics is, or yeah, right. politics is, right. <laughs> and clearly somebody who's thinking in the way he is knows that that's not what politics means. Right. He's, he's making a very political game yeah. intentionally. Yeah. And I think in this sense, both uh, Open Season and Treachery and Beatdown City are games pretending that, are, that they're apolitical mm-hmm. when right. they are incredibly political games. Yeah. Kind of skir- skirting critique by saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a part of the political scene here. This yeah. is just a fun game where... You get to take out these aggressions on potentially people of power or things like that, but it's not. Yep. Yeah, it's eschewing whatever awkward conversations might come out of having to deal with the fact that this is political. Yep. And it's it's the left versus right in terms of that, that yep. the right can make really fascist games that are apolitical mm-hmm. because the status quo, the thing we wouldn't question, is already fairly on their side. Right. Yeah. And so for, for the left to do that, to even question the status quo, in some way is already a political statement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's to go somewhere. Yeah. The, the, they knew the ideal for a long time, but the phrase succinctly says, or um, kind of states it, which is if you don't follow politics, politics will follow you. Mm. The other day I was like, Oh, that's very simple. Yeah. And just very yeah. straightforward yeah. to it. Like a thought that I've had for a long time and heard, you know, yeah. similar phrases for a long time, but yeah, I've never heard it, heard it put that way, but that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't have much else about development. I just read a couple interviews with him, and they were mainly about, about the game. Sorry, Ben. No, you're good. I'm just joking. Dude. I don't care. <laughs> I'll talk. Okay. I can um, edit it, so I can talk as much as I want. It's like, Perfect. It's fine. This is my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Man of low moral fiber. I didn't get much much more about development. I read a bunch of interviews, um, but but they generally said similar kinds of things. What, one interesting thing we could talk about is he did point to Kunio-kun and pointed it to it as a political game. He said... 
you know, when I say that I'm making this as a political game, I'm thinking of the Kunio-kun series. Interesting. I'm like, heck yes, this is awesome. Remind us of Kunio-kun, Jason. It was the Japanese uh, series of games from uh, Technos, I think was the publisher, mm-hmm. that Ringo Ishikawa was a response to, was copied. Got it. Right. And so I think, I think Ringo is a very political game as well. Yeah. Right? I think it's more political than Treachery and Beatdown City in some ways. It's about lack of money and options and choices, right? Yeah. And it's it's very a very emotional game in that way. Treachery and Beatdown City, the thing I didn't like about it is it was just so light. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of popcorn-y. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to me, that was that was a kind of allusion to 80s and 90s arcade games. Like Street Fighter and... Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage and just like those games that were like... Remember we get to the end of Street Fighter and it was like, oh no, like Dalsim was actually the teacher of Ryu and Saga or whatever. Like there was these weird stories that they just like slapped together at the thing at the very end. So those were very shallow too, but at the same time held so much depth, even though the writing wasn't, that didn't have any depth. We just added that ourselves. So to me in, in hearing these like very silly lines, whether it was like Farouk's halal cart talking about him serving everyone, no matter what their political leanings I was like, okay, that's kind of silly, but also that's representing whatever the media or whoever that's just like, oh, I see, I, I don't see color, basically. I just see everyone the same. And really, because they're doing that, they're just catering to the rich or whatever it might be. That doesn't say that in the game, but to me, I thought it was trying to play both sides, which right there's there's good and bad to that. Yeah, that's always so tricky. Yeah, when you're you're making something and you want people to play it or you want people to watch it, whatever kind of medium you're using and you don't want to alienate an audience. You also do want to say something. Yeah. And thus you leave all the interpretation to exactly the audience who is playing it as opposed to kind of very clearly making that game because there are games, you know, that are like vehemently anti-fascist games and stuff that indie people are putting out and whatnot. But by saying that, they severely limit the amount of people who are going to play it. And if you want to play this nostalgia-laden game that reminds you of Street Fighter and all these kinds of things and that you can make the meanings for yourself, then you don't really want that to be a game that that's the central point to, is that I'm trying to make this point about it, you know? And so it's a little muddled in... And that's also not to say, like... I'm not saying from what it sounds like Jason was saying, it does sound like this, the developer was political, but I'm not saying that he wanted to make an anti-fascist game and pulled away because of pressures. Maybe, maybe he's more of a neoliberal, like misanthrope. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he just doesn't like people. And that's why, you know, you're beating up all these different kinds of people. So I don't want to assign meanings to it that weren't there for him either. But just to sort of validate what you're saying, Ben, it's this kind of like playing of both sides in various ways by not being too aggressive with a political message. And especially when the gameplay and the art style is such a callback to games like uh, Prisoner of War and or was just called POW. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, And um, Sunset Riders, Jay, which you and I spent love many hundreds of quarters in uh, where you have very silly catchphrases by very (laughs) stereotypical bad guys. Right. Like, and just like turns of phrase that are just clever enough to be really silly and that don't have any depth. So to me, it was like him taking those games and just like sprinkling on a little bit of politics or a little bit of present day 
dynamics, city dynamics. I don't even know what it would be. I guess it's political dynamics, but not necessarily saying, okay, I'm going to own this and we're going to go super in depth. It was really just like, hey, this is Sunset Riders, but rather than the West, it's from the city. Yeah. Like, or the Old West. It's from a city. It's like a different lens of that same thing. So I didn't put the onus on him to necessarily take me through this long, deep journey that was going to kind of open my eyes to something I hadn't seen necessarily, but really just like, oh, this is this is much more appropriate for today than POW or, or Sunset Riders, which is just taking a lens to a totally different thing. Yeah, and that goes back to the overselling or, you know, expectations issue, that it really isn't necessarily about the game not functioning well at what it is so much as I was expecting this, and we, like, the day, the week in which we play this game, <laughs> where yeah. everything is like falling to pieces on every conceivable political, social, cultural level, I think also adds to that, like, why is this not saying what I want it to say? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. right now, I need this game to say this. <laughs> and true. it is yes. not saying that to me. Yes. Yeah. So. Blake Orama, come on! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. That's the right. name of the president um, who gets kidnapped. We should let me let me quickly read. I wrote down the synopsis. I think that's just on their website. The description of the game. Can I do that right now? Yeah. Explore an urban dystopia. Meet awful people and use an all new beat 'em up system infused with RPG tactics, wrestling mechanics to make them think twice about picking a fight. Pick your fighter. Build custom strike and grapple combos and knock out your enemies all to save the president. Blake Orama. Yeah. That that may be the miss right there. Explore an urban dystopia. Yeah, what? Right? It's not that we don't want dystopia games right now. It's that <laughs> the world that they are living in is so much better than ours. Yeah. <laughs> it feels utopic. It, yeah, it really does. Um, different yeah. than ours. Yeah. Well, they can walk and talk to people. That's true. Right. There are people oh, in restaurants true. in their world in New York City. Yeah, where, um, where are the masks? That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not <sighs> uprisings in every, every major city. There's just like people hassle you sometimes. Right. Yeah. And everywhere you go, somebody wants to get in a fight that will be kind of a fun fight that like you'll all survive and like maybe you want to fight again in 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. Nobody seems to have a whole lot of hostility towards each other. You know, even when right. uh, Ule John uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> gets, in, you know, you get into a fight with him and even he acknowledges like, you know, oh, yeah, like it was a little racist of me to uh, assume you were the cleaning lady or things like that. Yeah. Like there's no deep seated animosity between characters in this. And you're yeah, it doesn't feel like a dystopia at all compared to the environment that we yeah. are living in at this particular moment. Yeah. And I, I want to go back, Corey, to what you said about kind of the function of these games. You know, what's their purpose? What do they do? And when I teach games, I say, uh, you know, talk about the the genre of the game you're going to make. Talk about, um, you know, the setting, where is it set, some of the features. And then what's the emotion that you want to create? Mm-hmm. And I said, before you do the genre of the setting, just do the emotion. Mm. And then write that down and keep it on a note card the entire time you're making your game. Mm. And keep looking back at it. That's the way you test a game before you send it to anyone else. Is are you making this emotion that you set out to make? Yeah. And it may be that the game changes after a while and you decide you want to do something else. And that's okay. But... The idea is it's really easy to say that the emotion is it's going to be fun and then spend 200 hours making this really complex, boring system right. that is much more about making you think. And it's like, well, maybe that's the game you wanted to make, so you should make that one instead. Yeah. But the, I keep comparing it to Ringo because yeah. they're both beat-em-up games, both inspired by Kunio. Similar artwork. And to take, yeah. Yeah, and to take completely different lessons from Kunio-kun, completely different uh, readings of Kunio-kun. But I think the, the fundamental difference is what emotion were they trying to create? And so Treasure and Beatdown City was fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Laughs. Mm-hmm. Maybe a few reflective moments, but even then, they didn't want to create reflection. 
they're looking for an audience that is already annoyed by gentrification. Mm -hmm. They're not meant to teach you about gentrification. Whereas um, Ringo, on the other hand, is trying to create a sense of ennui, right? It's, It's all about just like, I am lonely and sad and life has no meaning. That's the, the emotional impact of Kunio-kun. And so, or, or of uh, Ringo. Ringo yeah. And so Kunio-kun could, could lead to both of those different things, which is interesting. But we also shouldn't measure them by each other, right? Treasury and Beatdown City to, failed to make me feel ennui. Yeah. And Ringo, <laughs> for the most part, failed to be fun. Right. right? I think most people yeah. didn't feel it was all that fun. Yeah. I loved it and I yeah. would not describe it as fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I was just going to say the lowest points, I guess, for for tre- treachery for me were in moments when in, in the dialogue, when you'd have someone come in, whether it was, I can't remember any of the characters names right now. Uh, grungy Chris. Yeah. We're like grungy Chris comes in and almost all of the grungy Chris interactions were just like, Oh wait, you didn't do that. Oh, okay. Well, I guess let's fight. Right. Or it was just like whatever interaction they have when they're long conversations of dialogue yeah. that you're reading and skipping through and going through. And at the end, it's just like, well, get out of my way. I don't want to get out of your way all right, I have a knife. And then it cuts to you fighting. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is literally saying nothing. This isn't a commentary on anything at all. So right. there's, yeah, there were definitely a, f- a few too many of those moments, sure. which I'm fine mm-hmm. with if there's a couple in a game where you're just like raging through a city to get to city hall, right? That's very simple plot. And like a couple people are just in your way. That's fine. Like, let's fight them and keep going. But yeah, there was, that was like a third of the interactions. Yeah, The amount of people in your way is daunting as well yeah, yeah. like just the sheer volume let's get to Corey's gameplay can we do that yeah <laughs> yeah tell us more oh it's i mean listen you know this is kind of if we look back over the body of things that we've played we can kind of see already that this is the kind of game that's going to be difficult for i me. had thoughts so. um, yeah. yeah 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 for one i am not a strategic thinker in general, not just game player, but just strategy is not my thing. So even the idea of like planning out combinations and whatnot is like, I don't, I can't, I can't process the number of points that I have, how long I have to wait to get those Mm. points back, then the combos I can spend them on, and then how that affects the kind of player, because they're different types, right? Like some people avoid you, some people... Um, They like blitz attack you like there's all these different ways that people uh, you interact with um, are built for different combos and different punches and grappling and all that stuff. And I'm like, that's like way more things than I can think about at any given moment. And that's why I'm a button masher. I'm like, "Ah, I do better if I can just get lucky. So in and of itself, that was, you know, really difficult um, for me to kind of get my head around along with like not remembering the controls for things so like i would just be sitting there like like accidentally punching stuff i was trying to pick up and then the other character attacks me when i hit the wrong button and then i'm like Like, i I just just give me like two extra seconds to remember which button i want to hit and then i'll be fine but because that person would already be on me i'm like i still don't know what button i'm supposed to hit so the next time i actually punch the object again and that drove me insane and on top of it, uh, I think you guys know I hate dying. Yeah. Uh, and my favorite games are ones in which uh, I don't die. And I just kept dying so die much. So yeah. much. And, yeah. you know, I, I ended up watching a guy doing a, a Let's Play um, that was actually very fun. His uh, his name was Don Valor. 
I was watching his uh, YouTube um, Let's Play, and he was doing voices for everyone. And like, nice. I was like, "Oh, this is a lot of fun!" I'm That's like, good. "I'm having a great time watching this dude from Chicago do all of the voices for um, this game." But even he, like, he got the like mechanic; he could play easily and even he was sometimes hitting stuff and just being like dear god i don't yes. at one point he just yelled i don't get it mm. yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah i know and that's for someone like me who like just doesn't get it at all it was very hard so that was my kind of experience of trying to to play this game with the way that i sort of think about things and process things and what i find fun in a game yep I think it's tutorialized very poorly. Mm -hmm. I found another review that said that the reviewer played for an hour, then reset their game and started again. Yeah. Because they realized that they had completely missed all the instructions. Right. And it often gives you an instruction or tries to give you a hint towards something. And then you keep dying and restarting that thing, but it doesn't give you the hint again. And so if you Mm. didn't understand it, and usually it's kind of like, like really kind of like implied hints, not just like, right. by the way, you need to do more grappling for this person. Right. It'd just be like, think about how long your reach is. And then you go into it. And yeah. then five minutes later when you die, you're like, wait, what was the hint at the beginning? I have no idea what's happening. Right. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of the actual bad things about this game, uh, cause I don't hold like it's emotional impact against it. Like I think it succeeded in that a lot. Um, just have to do with a development team of one. Mm. Right. Not enough time to to test it out and to try different things and to see how these things are working. Um, I love the fight mechanics in this game. Yeah. But I don't think that they had, like, arrived. I think they needed another round of revision. And I think it needed to be clearer how they were working. Once I finally got the hang of it, I was like, oh, this is really fun. But like you said, Court, like, no matter how good I got at it, there were all these moments where I was like, no, no, that's not. How do I know which way I'm facing? Like it's, there's a <laughs> yeah. zero point at which somebody like walks behind me immediately yeah. just as they get close to me. And it's like, turn around. I, I guess fine. Turn around. Yeah. <laughs> right. Every time it's a turn around, I'm like, why just hit me? There's like a 30% less chance that you'd get a, uh, like, yeah, what's it called? Uh, not premium kick, whatever it's called. J D and D. What's it called? When you get, when you critical. Some, a critical hit. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. That was the yeah, reason? I think it said so, See? like, yeah, when you f- when it first introduced the concept, I think it said that at the beginning of the game. I had yep. long since forgotten that yep. by the time yeah. I was, you know, well into this. And, like, I don't ju- I don't know why turning around is an option. Just hit. It's fine. Punch me. I'm going to die yep. anyway. <laughs> and I'd say about an hour and a half into the game, my my game glitched after I died. It wouldn't oh, let me yeah. restart. So I turned... I close the game and open it again. So I had to go to my back, my last save point, which back then before there were save points all the time, it felt like I, I lost like 40 minutes of gameplay oh. and I was pissed oh. and I threw my switch and I texted both of you <laughs> through oh. a temper tantrum. <laughs> I picked the game up the next day and I got to that place where I, it had glitched out in like 15 minutes uh-huh. because yeah, it was yeah. the thing that you guys are complaining about. Like you felt like you didn't quite have enough skill or enough knowledge. Right. But once I had 45 minutes more skill and knowledge than I did previously, the game was not quite easy, but like way more manageable. And I didn't die much the rest of the entire game. Interesting. So it was like that. Like you said, I think when you sent that reviewer thing, I think you sent that to us early on. It was like, they played an hour and then they started over. I was like, why would you do that? But the game (laughs) was way more enjoyable. Okay. An hour ahead, head start basically on the game. Yeah. And actually, you know, I, I contemplated that 
partway through where I was like, okay, I know there's a couple things I'm forgetting in here. I am like marginally better than when I started out. Like I mm. kind of get the gist of this. And there was a point where I was like, maybe I should just start over and then like grasp those few things that I don't remember and I would do better. But also that is not like a thing I would do. Wasn't it, <laughs> it like, wasn't quite yes. enjoyable enough to do that. Yeah, and I, it, yeah. very few things are. Again, that's not necessarily the game's fault. That's just the way I play games. But I bet it if it was like a story about help. like a really cute hamster like raging well, through yeah. a city. Yeah, I one hundred percent would have gone back. I'd be like, okay, yeah. if I must. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that game? I know, Where's right? my raging yeah. hamster Godzilla oh. game? Oh, I'm in. That sounds great. Yeah. If if I had one fix for this game, it would be cutting out a lot of the dialogue. Or just adding characters in between that you fight that you don't talk to, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like so, every if if two out of three fights were just it's it's a mook, right? It's just the guy you fought earlier, and we don't have a story reason for it, and that's fine. Yeah, um, I think it would have improved it so much. That's that's the Ringo way, right? Like just like here's some yeah. here's some toughs, beat them up. Yeah, yeah. Cause, <laughs> and, and it wasn't like the dialogue was bad. I'm fine with like keeping this, making it an eight to ten hour game. You know, really expanding it just by throwing in a bunch of mooks. Because then you can get into a flow of the the fighting. Mm-hmm. But I felt kind of like whenever I got into a flow of the fighting, I was yeah. really enjoying it. It's like, okay, now we're having a conversation again. Yeah, that's exactly How much exactly of this do I need to pay attention to? Is this a story? Where are we at? Am I supposed to laugh? And so, yeah, it, I think Ringo's an example of this. Lots of JRPGs are examples of this, where there are those big story moments. But 90% of the game is just wandering between fights with people where there is no story. And that would help, you know, kind of get some muscle memory about it. Like, yes. you know, that... Every time it's got that stilted long thing in between, I have to relearn how to control it again. <laughs> Where I was like, oh, I was kind of, I was getting in the zone. Now what? Uh, so I think you're right about that. Yeah, that makes a big difference. And I think the fighting is fun enough that it, it would have justified that. Yeah. Right. And it, and it would have been good enough. And I would honestly like want to play it more just kind of mindlessly while I watch TV, like just have it going. Yeah. The thing that pulled against that was that after every fight, I had to stop. And yeah. Something. You needed to, you know, oh, that's fair. yeah, have the story because there were times when I was like, oh, maybe I'll like I love the music in it and everything. But I was like, oh, maybe I'll put on like an audio book or something because that's often how I play games is, you know, while listening to a book. Um, and then nope. I was like, there's just I can't. I'd have so to pause dialogue. the book constantly because there's yeah. so much dialogue. Uh in this and I someone on the let's play that I was watching commented on that to the person who was playing it was like these games shouldn't have this much talking it's <laughs> <Like, there's> just <laughs> it's way too much of that which is tough because I could see Jason after your initial criticism of the game not really landing with the dialogue the takeaway could be like oh I need more dialogue to explain like the political climate more or poli- right. or explain like previous background to relationships between the main character and the character or the NPC or whatever. But yeah, that's definitely not the answer to this one because there's plenty of dialogue. No, it's yeah, it's not the issue. Yeah. And if you spend six years making it and you're mainly showing it to friends yeah. to check it out, what are they doing? Well, they're seeing the combat system change slowly over time and they're reading the dialogue and be like, Oh, that's really funny. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. I like-. And so you're getting the message of, okay, keep this joke, keep this joke. Got to get this in here. Got to get this in here. You can see how it got created this way. But I think it's that that's kind of why for me it still is going to land as this kind of B plus game. Yeah. But I also think it's got a lot of potential and I'm glad that it's going to go forward yeah. and be expanded on. There's going to be another episode. Things that I would like to see would be like, what about just an endless mode where you can open up arcade oh, mode and just yeah. fight, fight enemies? Yeah. Right. That'd be totally Ben right there. Because like, the dude, fighting is really fun. All time favorite arcade game is Alien versus Predator, which is basically yes. this game, uh, but with more weapons and more <laughs> alien, more bad guys. Yeah. Yes. But what about a story mode? For Corey, 
yeah, story right? for me. Yeah, exactly. Hamster 100%. mode. Hamster mode. Hamster <laughs> mode. <laughs> That'd be great. We're just fighting different types of rodents throughout the game. Oh no, a guinea pig. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> the, the baddie, the, like the big bad is a capybara. Oh, oh I love this gosh. game that has But like a mechanized capybara. Oh yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. with like Jack's that's arms. Awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, a capybara. Oh! 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 Nice. oh! Well done. Well done. What? Uh, speaking of, we all need to play Mother 3 because those are all the villains from Mother 3. Capybara? What? what? Oh, yeah. No, they just like mechanize things. Oh, Because okay. the, oh, the cool. villain villain has come in and like turned all the things to robots. So the sweet forest animals you were playing. Oh, that's Kind of awesome. like Sonic style. I was about yeah. to say, like oh, yeah. Sonic. <laughs> yeah, but, but more gratuitous than that. Mm. Where like uh, the, the mama Tyrannosaurus Rex, which was like this very sweet Tyrannosaurus Rex who's your friend, gets turned into a robot and is like killing people. And then when you finally defeat her, her little child walks up to her and like nuzzles with you. You're like, oh my gosh, Aww. this is so sad. See, this is... Like, it's a good game. I... Oh, Yesterday, and I talked about this, so I don't think there's going to be much overlap between this podcast and the other podcast that I'm doing, but I talked about this on my other podcast, too. My mom made me watch this movie called Orca that she billed like being like Jaws. Um, it was made kind of in the same region of time, uh, and she hadn't seen it since then. So she's like, yeah, let's watch Orca. It's going to be great. And it's like Jaws in the like villainous, not villainous, but like this monster eating people or whatever, big, high body count, all that stuff. But what it's not like Jaws as is that it's about a mourning orca because a fisherman killed its child. And so the whole time you're just kind of like, yeah, it's eating people, but also like, please don't hurt it. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's a sweet, it's just a sweet orca who's sad. Leave it alone. So, so it's, it's more of a kill Bill from the perspective of Bill. Exactly, yeah. Cool, <laughs> That's cool. precisely it. Yikes. So That was not the issue that I had with Kill Bill, so. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm a little wary now of such things being like, yeah, it, but it's like sad and the creature is nuzzling its mom. I'm like, I don't, after orca, I need a minute before any <laughs> such any such thing happens because I'm yeah, still devastated by that film. <laughs> Fair. Tell us more about, I, I don't feel like we've heard much of your gameplay stuff, Ben. Yeah. I said at the beginning, it was kind of the, um, I don't remember what I said, but like the perfect progression I thought for me. And I guess that's with that 45 minute little jump in time that I had backwards. Cause I thought it was really well paced. Uh, I definitely did not. I read all the instructions and all the, like when you grapple, do this, or when you meet a, this kind of player do this. And I, I basically read all that. I was like, okay, so do the opposite. So if I'm with a grappler, don't grapple them. If I'm with, with someone who's just punching me a bunch, oh, grapple that's them. logical. With, yeah. 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 And I think it was more like a rock, paper, scissors <laughs> thing. Cause there's a third type I'm missing. So I definitely didn't do that. But my, the, my takeaway was don't do the thing that they're doing at me basically. And so right. that worked out pretty well. Uh, and definitely the last hour or so I did not die hardly at all. Um, and when I finally figured out how to like pick your player, that took me a long time to figure that when I could finally do that. I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll play as the player that has the most HP to start this fight. <laughs> it's like this novel concept to me. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I really liked it. I'm, I'm excited for there to be an episode two, three, four, whatever it's going to be, whether even it's just two. Um, my biggest critique would probably be that there wasn't enough story. And I guess that kind of goes into what both of you have said, but I think for me that might be answered just with an episode two. Sure, if if yeah. they could kind of polish the writing a little more and make it less just like we're going to city hall for the next three hours, <laughs> which is a little, a little old. But. I mean, it's such a like this has been a very well received game overall. Right. Um, from what yeah. I could tell, looking at 
various things and just Googling it. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, people liked it. That usually means, you know, like maybe there will be more hands on it um, and yeah. more attention to perhaps some of the things that uh, we disliked about it. And the idea of making a game starting this process in 2014 and then being in 2020, I'm sure the way that, you know, this developer thinks about things, his world has changed just like ours has. So what is yeah. the second part of this game going to look like in light of having made it while living through a pandemic and civil unrest and you know all these different things that are happening in the world you know just to see how that ends up shaping what the game becomes because i'm sure obviously has a place he's going with this but you know you can't not be touched by everything when you make something yeah and i I think one of my biggest takeaways or my biggest critiques of those 80s 90s beat-em-ups is the button mashing which obviously like from the start this game is like this is why i made this game basically like stop button mashing kids and it takes the rpg element and throws that in there so that's a great whether it's fully realized and fully uh well i think it's fully realized whether it's uh fully i guess implemented as well as it could be implemented exactly thank you Corey. yeah whether it's fully implemented as well as as it fully could be or not, I think that that idea alone is worth a full game. Right. And the fact yeah. that there are political elements to it and a commentary yeah. to it just adds on top of it. Because I thought that was really cool. Button mashing is one of the most frustrating things. And the fact that I disagree. most of my, like... <laughs> it can be very frustrating yeah. if you just kind of don't know what you're doing. For me, at least. Yeah, when no, you're just I like hitting A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B. And like sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Or sometimes you throw a, like a missile and you're like, how did I do that? Uh, but the fact that this time you're like, the game, like time literally stops as you get to choose your combo and then it happens. I think that's, that's pretty cool. I really yeah, like I actually that. did appreciate that. Like if I were better at choosing those combos and everything, I did sure. appreciate that. I have a moment to sit and think, and I had to train myself to do that too. Cause I feel like I'm so used to button mashing that I would try to rush making a decision on it. Like as if it was going to right. time out on me or something, I'm like, I could go eat lunch and it would be fine. But uh, so I had to kind of talk myself out of that mindset of like, go, 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 go. Like, no, sit here. You can think about it for a sec. And I actually did. You know, I like that as a concept. Yeah. I wanted to come back to the idea that uh, the word of mouth, the the praise quote at the beginning kind of set this game up for failure in some way that it doesn't need to fail. It succeeds in so many other ways. And so I want to compare it to Blaseball. And Blazeball's uh, praise quotes that it has on its website. Now, Blazeball, for those who aren't familiar, is basically an Excel sheet that thinks it's a video game, <laughs> right? It's it's not the fanciest thing ever. If Excel sheets stole 30,000 coins from you when they restarted after extended siestas, then yeah, that's fine. Whatever. I know. You've got, you've got some vendettas. We'll get to those later. But here are the praise quotes. Welcome to Blazeball. A strong contender to become the best game of 2020. A dangerous nice. time waster. And... <laughs> A fucking delight in this horrible, cruel world that we live in. Is it Vice? Uh, that's fan by that last oh, one. Okay. Vice was Dangerous Time Waster and Polygon oh, was Strong Contender. So good. Um, it's a great way to oversell it, especially the third one, because the horrible, cruel world that we live in. It's just, which I think balances well with the idea that this is the best game of 2020, which is just like, 2020 sucks. I hate it. Yeah. And this game is stupid. And you might have fun with it. You just click on stuff. Just click on it. Do it. Uh, literally what else are you doing you're sitting at home by yourself just click on it yeah are you you angry and depressed right now this is the game for you it's not going to make it's not going to fix that right bet fake money and win fake money on fake games with fake players 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think it, yeah, when I started playing it, Hannah's first question was, is it like fantasy football you used to play? I was like, uh, except there's even less reality to this. There's yeah. zero reality to this. Nothing that real people do affects this at all. It's it's fantasy fantasy football. Exactly. That's that's good. Fantasy fantasy football where you bet fantasy money. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's good. And, it, and that might not be enough of a remove, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's close. Yeah. There might be that's... three or four more fantasies in there. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh my god. This game's pretty fun with frustration. When I was all done, I just had to. All right, uh, I'm going to go first because I don't think I ever go first. Uh, me first is what I say. So the drink that best represents this song, I don't think we've done this before, but I went with a um, Tecate and Minute Maid Shandy. Wow, that's very specific. Uh, which is just a refreshing treat. I had them at least once when I lived in LA on a hot street fighting day. Uh, and yeah, just, it's a nice refreshing treat in the middle of a street fight on a warm day in the city, you know, keeps you loose. Also hydrates you a little bit, gives you a little bit of that energy boost. Pick me up with a sweet lemonade, but also just enough ABV to kind of help you and not be too focused on that black eye you just received or maybe your bloody knuckles. So yeah, just a nice little, uh, little treachery treat. Mm, sounds delightful. Little treachery treat. Yeah. Corey, what do you got? Um, I gave this game a margarita because oh, nice. <laughs> they are delicious. I enjoy that nice salty rim. Again, it's also a nice like summery summery game. I mean, summery drink. Uh, however, I'm allergic to citrus, so I can't really drink them. And that is uh, that's this game for me. I, I like it. It's fun. I wish I could, but I'm just it's just not going to work for me. Do mar- all margaritas have citrus in them? Most, yeah, generally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try to think of a way to get around it. Yeah. It's, What's in a margarita? Oh, it's yeah, orange it's, liqueur. Lime. Yeah, lime. Oh, lime. Generally, it's it's going to be a bad time. Yeah, just go straight for the tequila and agave syrup. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Cool. All right. Sorry. Jay, what do you got? Thanks for your help. Yeah. Uh, Colin an audible because of your two drinks um, and decided to keep it go non-beer and just something that that I'm used to drinking in a city when when I lived in cities and could nice. walk around and drink. And I'm going to go with uh, horchata with rum. Mm. Uh, yeah, not not necessarily a rum chata, which feels fancier, uh, <laughs> yeah. but like literally just putting the spoon into the horchata thing, filling up my solo cup with it and then pouring some rum. In. Mm. Yeah, uh, that, that sounds that's so good. I now that's what I want. So right good, now. So oh good right now. Yeah, that'd yeah. be amazing. And the thing about it is it never over promises and it always over delivers. That's right? yeah. and so a very that good is, point. If this game had received, I think, uh, more accurate marketing to me. Yeah. And that was just word of mouth stuff. So it's not the game's fault. Yeah. Uh, I think I would have liked it just as much as a, an horchata with rum. That would have been yeah. fantastic. You're here. I like that. So good. Uh, shall I get my song? While, while I'm talking, I went with the Humpty Dance um, <laughs> because I I felt like um, comedy level. They're in a very similar place, mm. right? Mm. It's it's a, a little crass, a little silly, having fun, occasionally showing off some chops. Uh, never forget that Tupac Shakur was part of Digital Underground, a thing oh, I can yeah. barely say weird. with a straight face, yeah. but is a true fact. 
And uh, yeah, so so the Humpty Dance. And also an excuse, Ben, for you to play right now. I once got busy in a burger king. Skinny. It never stopped me from getting busy. I'm a freak. I like the girls with the boom. I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. I'm crazy. Allow me to amaze thee. They say I'm ugly, but it just don't faze me. Uh I cannot possibly even compete with that, but it's good because I didn't really even try this time. But sweet. Let the record show. That was an excellent pick. Uh and the drink. You're really on your game today, Jay. Um, boom. My my song this time uh, is Protovision by Kavinsky off of the incredible album Outrun. Have you guys heard that album before? No. Oh, my God. Listen to it. It is fantastic. It's this retro 80s sounding album that's like kind of a it's got a loose story to it. The intro to the uh, album is called Prelude, and it's like the story of a kid who's just like an average kid in the 1980s. Uh, and then he uh, gets into a car accident and melds with the car and is going through the world unseen except by the girl he loves. Uh, and then it's just this incredible concept album from that point forward. And there's actually a remix of one of the songs from it that The Weeknd does with him, which is kind of cool. Oh, nice. But all that to say, uh, Protovision I picked because it's absolutely retro music to beat somebody up to. Uh, it has that that sound and feel to it, and uh, you know the if you watch the music video for it, it's this guy trying to outrun the cops in his car, and I just feel like it has the entire vibe of this game. Nice. It's fun, it's feisty, uh, yeah, gets you in the mood. Yeah, and if you, you've probably heard, you saw Drive, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the song Night Call is Kavinsky, okay. and that's from different albums, oh, but yeah, that's okay. fantastic. Nice. Yeah, I definitely listened to that uh, soundtrack for a while. Oh my God. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. And it looks like the video is just driving around LA too, which makes it even better. <sighs> better. Man. I could be wrong. It yeah, like extra points for the Helms Brothers, for sure. <laughs> driving random shots of LA. Mm. Uh, almost as good as random shots of the Bay Area. Almost. Um, I went with a throwback, uh, just like this game is. Uh, <laughs> keeping up with my tradition of keeping it as literal as possible. <laughs> um, and I went with Bring the Noise by Public I, Enemy I went with and the OST from Treachery and Beatdown City. <laughs> <laughs> Tracks 1 through 16. I want you to do that every game. Dude, every game. So, you have the tradition of picking whatever drink is actually in the game that the character interacts <laughs> yes. with. Yes, I do. That's Jason's drink. Shocking. <laughs> uh, no, I went with Bring the Noise by Public Enemy and Anthrax, uh, which is a mixture of cultures and styles. It's loud. It's abrasive and pretty messy. There's just like random noises going on in the background. Uh, it ends up being this really great classic collaboration uh that's just really unique and in the end after all of that noise uh is something that i really enjoy it's not lost on me that whenever we do these recommendations it's the black girl on the podcast who never picks like a hip-hop or rap song <laughs> <It's true. laughs> one of yeah. these things is it's not true. like the other well i was just gonna say that uh actually two of the characters in this game were based on scott ian's goatee so, wow interesting i could see that i could see that i too because it, it, it splits because it, it splits 
one of the hosts of this show is pissed off. <laughs> ben and I started out as strands of yes. Scott Ian's go-to. Yep. Mm, uh, delicious. <laughs> oh, it's been a while since I've seen that go-to. Yeah, boy, I hate that thing. Just, oh, I love it. Just, I love that in every behind the music, it's a little different. Yep. It's a little different color. He would, different look like, he would look like any dorky ass white guy. Yes. And it's like, he's Except, like, this is the thing that's going to yeah. be my edginess. And it just, it, it bothers me on a visceral level. Yes. <laughs> so, that's fair. That's well, fair. And it was just dirty enough to yeah. keep him from being like the lead singer of Smash Mouth. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. Like, like there's, cause other than that, other than the goatee, that's the vibe. He has. 100%. Absolutely. Man, you're right. Astro Lounge is really good. I should give that a listen again. <laughs> Timely. Solid. Like. Solid. You said it. That's it. It's just gonna be me going. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everybody, everybody. Uh, I take a lot of screen grabs. Screen grabs. This is your time to shine. <laughs> your segment. <laughs> and you invented I, screen grabs. I did, and I also forgot to download my screen grabs. Oh, so okay. that's. I was like, cool. oh, I'm doing everything so great. I am on top of it. I did not do that. Uh, so... Sorry. You want to? You can just host this segment, just, or you want to try to remember some? <laughs> describe them. Describe them to describe, us. Describe there's a, there's a blue background. I vain, vaguely remember, like I think there was this time that one of the characters said something yeah, about yeah, like yeah, uh-huh. she lived. She lived there for like a month, so she what? she like knew. And was like part this of the good. yeah yeah so that was a really this fun screen grab another screen grab no. <laughs> nice um, I I tweeted all mine um, did you because that's the only way I can get yeah because that's the only way I can get my switch well to, yeah to did you to tweet PC. them like yeah. on main yes yeah. and then I went to delete them but somebody commented on it before I did and said what is this <laughs> and I was like it's my janky way of getting pictures from my switch to my computer. <laughs> see I followed <laughs> Ben's is. lead and I made a, a like a burner Twitter for yeah, I need to stuff, I need to but. It's kind of fun to accidentally send it to all your followers anyway, especially all these like academic people that you've gotten now that you like went viral. Exactly. <laughs> like, what is he what, doing? I what, what does this Jeez. mean? <laughs> is he trying to say something? Farouk's damn halal. What? <laughs> but you guys, what have what have you got on the yeah. uh, the screen grabs for this month? Yeah, you want to go? Yeah, I, I pulled Grungy Chris saying reading, reading Eula's isn't punk, which was a, a fun gag. That's um, so true. And user license agreements for people just listening to yes. him say EULA. E-E-U-L-A's. Mainly I wanted to pull uh, the conversation between Brad and Jason Hartman, who is a former pro wrestler. Yes. Clearly based on Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, yeah. At least in terms of his name. Um, <laughs> Brad says, uh, Jason Hartman. <laughs> and Hartman responds, you can call me the heartbreaker, the sexiest man alive, mm. and I haven't gone by Jason in years. So I just want that to be <laughs> That's your like new, my new yeah. Twitter profile. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I like the other ones that are just gyrates suggestively and yes. I am not a pervert. I am not a pervert. Wait, was gyrates suggestively from this? Yes. Yes. That's oh. another thing that he says. Well, because or does, that's I guess. A- was it isn't in undertale that's like one of the things that um one of the monsters does so i have like screen grabs of that saying like gyrate i do think they dance suggestively i thought it was gyrate i don't know 
Maybe I'll have to go Maybe back. Way to in find the... this out. I have to scroll up though, and I don't want to do that. And, and Ben, I'm deleting my my quote of the episode at the end because you just said it. Oh, uh, so I'm not a pervert. So now I know we can edit, but I'm just putting a new one in. Okay, cool. <laughs> this is actually what Jason looks forward to is like yeah. changing along the line. Just secretly hope stuff comes up so we can be like, Ha-ha! right? Uh, I screen grabbed uh, Manju, which is the little pug. Yes, and his quote is "nervous wolf." <laughs> With so those giant cute. eyes. Oh, so cute. And then who, so what's the cute. punk guy's name? I don't have his name here. Do you, do you uh, have I think it's CM Punk. CM Punk. Punk. Yeah. Uh, drinks, 200 bucks. Crystals, 10 bucks. Haircuts, $1,000. Leather jackets, $5,000. <laughs> Which are things he spends money on and the reason that he's hijacking you, right? The reason he's robbing you because that's what he yep. needs money for? Yeah. Yep. Which just seems like a, too much for a haircut. It, right? it, feels, it feels very much like the uh, tweet of somebody help me with my budget. <laughs> Right. Yeah, right. totally. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I have a, a Grungy Chris quote that is just all caps. I don't deal with consequences well, <laughs> which I think is just right before you start fighting. Yeah. It, he just yep. screams that it or may- she just screams that. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know what Grungy identifies as. It's my favorite um, kind of screen grab is ones that are very relatable. Yeah. So I love a good it me screen grab. And that right there is yeah. a good it me screen grab. It me, it me, <laughs> and, and Ben, Ben, the most it me for you. We both chose this screen grab. Well, so, we so both us, chose this. Give us Brad's quote. You, you get it. I'll show you an over-the-top macho persona. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, put that in the intro. Right. So good. Uh, so so good. yeah, for sure. Good call. <laughs> All right. Uh, recommendation station. Yeah. Sweet. I didn't like uh, the way I said yeah. Yeah. Do it again. Try it. Start over. Recommendations. Yeah, that sounds great, guys. Cool. Yeah. Mm, gyrate suggestively. Yeah. Jason Hartman. <laughs> Call me the heartbreaker. Yeah. Uh, so I downloaded a bunch of games because there was an Ooh. Xbox like crazy sale. So I downloaded a bunch of games. Is that what those is, are called? Um, you have like a fire sale, and then you get like a crazy <laughs> sale. It's, crazy it's a sale. fire <laughs> sale. It's a fire. Get out! <laughs> it was a crazy sale, uh, but they were like eighty five percent off. So they got all these games for like three bucks or five bucks or something. It was crazy. Uh, but Abzu A B Z U, which is a game where you are just a scuba diver going around solving puzzles and like interacting with the most beautiful underwater landscapes, okay. seascapes, underwaterscapes. Uh, it's not really a landscape, I guess. Anyway, oh. uh, I downloaded at Jason's uh, recommendation, Watch Dogs Two. So I will be playing that this month. Uh, Goose Game. Now has an online component, multiplayer. So Jason that. and I... I don't think it's come yet. I think it's in September it's coming. Is, oh, okay. I haven't played it yet. But yes, I'm excited for that. Uh, and then What what the Golf is a game that I've heard about for a long time. I finally downloaded it. It was on sale. So got that. Ugh. I will be playing that this month. And then I have two non-gaming things. One is a French toast omelet sandwich. Oh. I had one last night. Oh, my what? God. What? So good. Yeah. How did you... Like you just happened to have one last night. Did you talk about this? I shared it. Yeah. We oh, talked. no, we he talked. shared the recipe with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got it. I thought that was a coincidence. Well, you no, described no, no. it first and then I want to talk about my modifications. Ooh. Yeah. So basically it's an omelet that you throw bread into and you fold into sandwich form and then you fry the ends and you put whatever you want into it, just like an omelet or a sandwich, right? You can put meat, cheese, veggies, whatever you want. And you kind of fold the egg around it. So it makes like a little sandwich envelope. You get the uh, and best it's, of both worlds. It really is. It really, yeah. If you're like this omelet's good, but I need more carbs. <laughs> boom, solved it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Jay, tell, tell me about yours. Well, and then you can toss in the middle whatever you want. So the first time I did it, I just did like salsa and cheese. But yeah. this time, I did Tabasco cheese, um, onion, and fresh tomatoes. 
Yeah. And like those fresh tomatoes just like pushed it over the edge. Yeah. I still want to throw some bacon in there. Yeah. I think that would be next level. But yeah. like, it feels like that mm, might overwhelm it, but I don't, I don't know. <sighs> nah, I'm not too worried. You never know until you try. I did. Yeah, uh, it does already have protein. You're right. Blue cheese and basil and tomato. Oh, cool. That, that sounds great. Good. Yeah. Do you yeah. grow basil? I got some blue cheese. Mm-hmm. You do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And tomatoes too. Nice. Solid. I did, yeah. but I killed it by myself. Oh, I'm so sorry. We had it for a couple weeks though. That was nice. No, it's it's nice while it lasts. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got a squirrel eating my kale right now, so. Oh, bastards! I hear you. Uh, and then my last recommendation is Broad City. It's been gone for like two years now. Yeah, I think. it's been off and for it's a while. So good. We just we just binged it again, and, and I think this is my third watch through. And it's been our like we have Hannah and I will go through seasons of like okay let's go through community again let's go through office parks and rec whatever else and i'll just be kind of on in the background while the kids are going to bed we're checking our phones whatever and this this turn it was broad city for the first time since it was live and oh man that show not only holds up because i think it's last season was trump's first season (laughs) and it's just it holds up very well yeah and is just one of the funniest shows ever i love that show yeah i'm definitely overdue for rewatch all right recommendations uh yeah um, I've been playing uh, Quadrilateral Cowboy. Uh, it was fantastic. Mm, I like the nice name. Little, like, gosh, it's so good. So it is. Uh, I'd say it's a puzzle game, but it presents as though it's going to be a first-person shooter, and you are like a hacker who hacks. And it takes place in like cyberpunk 1980. Kind of imagine a, a future imagined by someone in like Argentina in the 50s. Oh, because it's it takes place in uh, Nuevo Eres. It looks like Stanley Parable type. Uh, gameplay graphic that kind of stuff yes but the whole thing is it keeps giving you new hacking tools but they're all this kind of retro cyberpunk dude it looks awesome so you've got like a suitcase with a gun in it but the only way to work it is through a computer that fits in a suitcase and it calls it your deck because they don't have the word laptop and you open up the suitcase and there's like a computer inside it it's it's so good that's great so you type into it you know uh pitch one pitch negative five and the, the gun aims up and down with that mm. until you like program this thing like by the end of it you can you gain this tool called blink where you can program in specific lines of code to a number of blinks and you have a blink command so that you're going through this thing and you blink once at this stop you go through do the thing grab the thing blink twice unlock it blink yes. three times blink once go and it's like god and it, when it's working and it teaches unlike this game it tutorializes itself so well mm. it is one of the most the best designed games i've ever played and i'm playing through now with um the director's commentary and he's explaining little things about how like when i had people play this at first they didn't look where i wanted them to and they got there eventually but i didn't want this to be a difficult thing so i added a light to this hallway mm. and then when they came through they jumped and they, they saw where it was and it's like really thoughtful about the way it's played mm. it's also got little things like um lots of world building there is the director did not want to uh animate fingers typing Right, that's going to be difficult, and so there, there is somewhere uh, a box you can pick up that just says "typing mittens." Typing mittens, so then you, you know, don't see the little mittens. You yeah, yeah, mittens you that's would awesome. wear. So now they don't have mittens on you; they just didn't animate. <laughs> and there's no director commentary on that at all. It's just like that was a brilliant moment where I was like, "Why? Why don't I have fingers? Oh, because I'm wearing typing mittens that that actually improve my typing speed, and they're amazing cyberpunk inventions. <laughs> that's awesome. It's really good, and it's I'd say like eight hour game um oh, nice. eight to ten something in that range and then you i immediately wanted to replay it with director's commentary nice. to just be like tell me all about this this was really fun is this on yeah. the switch or is this a pc i put it on steam oh, okay windows and mac os nice oh yeah um i would imagine it's not that 
difficult. It didn't feel like I was ever chugging on it. Uh, it's made in the Doom 3 engine, so yeah, it wasn't too complex. And if, you, if you're kind of interested in it but not sure, I'd really recommend the creator, uh, Brennan Chung, his first game, or his first big game, 30 Flights of Loving, which is barely a game and more of a cinematic experience oh. in a game engine. Okay. But it's incredibly good. Like, I've never wow. seen a game use quick cuts, like Snatch-style quick cuts, and this game uses Interesting. that as a storytelling device, and it's beautiful and fun, and it's only like five bucks, and it'll take you like an hour to play. Nice. Um, I'd, I'd say try that out, and if you dig it, you're like, I want to play more from this person, go check it out. Also, if you already bought the uh, itch.io giant bundle for racial uh, equality, yeah, um, you already have it. Oh. Nice. Nice. Wait, Idle Thumbs... Yeah. Are they a production company now? Uh, they, when they first started, they, I believe it was for their, their opening. Uh, they did uh, 30 Flights of Loving. Like, it was a promotional thing that they sponsored this game. Oh, um, that's awesome. As a way of, like, promoting Idle Thumbs. Okay, so Brendan Chung isn't, like, an Idle Thumbs person or anything. It's not like... No. Or at least, uh, like, he's not on the so. podcast Although, or anything. All Chris right. Remo did do the music for 30 Flights of, of Loving. Of course he did, because he's everywhere at once. <laughs> it's, it's very good music. You will both really like uh, lots nice. of just kind I of get, Spanish guitar. I'm very into good music in video games. Chris Remo's good. the best. It's good. Uh, if you guys like Quadrilateral Cowboy, also we could just do it for an episode sometime. Interesting. And three female protagonists, or or the, the main protagonist is female, and she's with a, a group of women like terrorists taking down a fascist uh surveillance state. Like, it's fun it's good nice into that. Okay. sweet um i recommend this fine month uh my new podcast <gasps> oh yeah. yeah that's very exciting for Tell the for the horror loving spooky loving creepy people out there if you're into all things creeptastic uh so hey all you creepers hey creepers yeah. <laughs> It's a new, our new opening. Um, yeah, if you like anything that's like creepy, whether that's like true crime or ghost stories or horror movies, um, it's music that's loud and angry and violent, you know, anything bloody and gory and all that kind of stuff. Uh, me and my friend Mark, who is a Welshman who lives in England, uh, have created a podcast called Jack of All Graves. Uh, because we are going to be tackling all kinds of dead things and not just one particular genre. And it's basically about the joy of creepiness and about how much joy we take in uh, watching these things, listening to these things, um, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And in a world gone mad, being the kind of people who uh, this is kind of what we run to, to... uh, you know, where some people run to a rom-com or something like that because they want to, like, escape it. We we find our joy and our escape in, you know, I got a, a subscription to Shudder and I have just been watching constant horror movies. And, nice. you know, so, yeah, it's just a, a good natured uh, podcast about things that we love um, and, you know fun spooky stuff so if you like that kind of stuff jack of all graves we're on the twitter at jack of all graves but the instagram is not us yeah oh what (laughs) very not us uh it's a very sensual instagram um interesting yeah so okay not us on the instagram because i don't you might be spelling that one wrong you might be I know. Well, one, I actually checked. Just the one. I actually checked. I was like, uh-huh, "Is I this to type this in wrong?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, 
no, that's a missed opportunity on their part. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, Jack of all graves on the Twitter. We should be up within a day or two. It is, that's us. Hey, I follow. I, I now follow. I'm excited for to download. Yes. What's the setup to an episode? Do you like take a movie or do you take a horror story and go into it? Or is it just like random conversations around things? Yeah. The way that we've kind of set this up is to have kind of a theme for each okay. episode. So the first one is a little bit just rambling because we're introducing who we are and everything, yeah. but it starts with an amazing story uh, about uh, Mark um, becoming a pariah in South Africa by joking about having seen a local folklore creature uh, that South Africans do not find funny. Uh, and it. it is, it's a, a delight to hear, but from there, we're kind of taking, you know, whatever. So for example, uh, one week, uh, we will talk about the fact that my first Halloween that I was supposed to go trick or treating was essentially canceled because there was a Halloween, um, copycat killing in my hometown of Greenfield, Massachusetts. Uh, and discuss these sort of hometown horror stories, uh, and then relate those back to, um, some sort of film or book or something that goes along with that. So we've given each other like quintessential horror texts and whatnot to look at while also relating it to the entire world of spooky things. So it should be fun. It'd be a good time. Nice. Yeah. It's a very good follow on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. I know nothing else is up. But, like, I'm distracted from this conversation just watching clips of old horror movies. Nice. Uh, the humor, the fun. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's what we're trying to do is just sort of bring you these, like, these fun little bits about horror and how much we love it. And, you know, putting that out there in a very positive way. Something that a lot of people might find, like, macabre and disturbing, but that we just think is, like, really fun. Uh, yeah. Nice. Definitely check that out. What's the website that you... Uh... I was going to say used to read. You probably still do spooky New Jersey or spooky weird New, New Jersey. Or weird, weird New, New Jersey. Jersey is so good. Yeah. Is that still happening? Weird is that still a thing? Yeah. Still exists. Yeah, okay. Mark Skirman and nice. Mark Morin. Still a thing there. You go. there. Yeah. All the marks. Hey, last podcast just pulls from them a lot. Yeah. Like that's where I, I get it is like, they just pull things from. Yeah, there. absolutely. It's a good way to sort of source out stories, you know, cause there's just so much and they have series. I have, I think I have like five or six of their books. I have like weird California, weird Illinois, weird, you know, Oregon. Um, yeah, it's a good place to find those things and then branch off and you know. solid. Yeah. Nice. I recommend weird New Jersey. <laughs> and then next month's game. Did we pick one already? No, we didn't. I, I, I want to throw some options out there. Unless Ben, do you I have still some have, options? I, I, I do have a thought. Yeah, of course. Core, yeah. Because um, when we talked last, uh, like at the end of last year, about potential games that we could play that were by people of color and whatnot, um, I downloaded this uh, indigenous made game called Never Alone. And I've heard it's good. Yeah, yes. I can't see it. So potentially we could play that one. We have not done an indigenous game and it's yeah. so pretty. Yep. Uh, yes. And yeah. It looks so good. Yeah. So I've been, it's been kind of like sitting here on my phone all this time and i always look at it and i'm like i should play that but i'm like i'll wait until we get around to it um so that is that's my putting that out there into the universe i'm gonna try and co-op it with with one of my kids and see how that goes hey oh for sure because i know you can co-op with is it a a dog that you're with or a fox maybe i don't know what it is there's there's an animal companion yeah um 
Let's do it. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I'm excited to co-op. Sweet. It. Let's play Never Alone. In. Yay. In. We're doing it. Uh, should we redo that whole segment or just leave it in as it is, as we like picked it during like live? I think we can pick it live. Okay, that was good. cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The only negative is it makes us seem underprepared, but I don't think we care at this moment. That's never been an issue. Okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, for me, it is, but that's fine. Uh, I, nobody expects anything more from me, so I think that's fine. Cool. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So, Never Alone. I have it on Xbox. Corey, you have it on your phone. I do, yeah. It's probably on I'll Switch. I'll do PS4. Probably, or there Xbox. we go. Although it seems like a perfect Switch game. I'm it disappointed does. that it's not available it on Switch. Oh, I'm so sorry. All right. Uh, that's our episode. It was another long one. The episodes are getting longer and longer, it feels like. But uh, we'll just blame listen, Corey for that. It's because we don't see enough people between talking that's to each true. other. It's true. That's true. We, we talk like a half hour before we yeah. hit record, too. So this is us having like gotten all the news out, and we're yeah. still talking this much. All right. <laughs> You can find us on our website at menoflowmoralfiber.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're really most active not on Facebook. I really need no. to delete that. Yeah, I think it's... every time I should just read that and then say, we'll delete that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, email us at monthpod at gmail.com, M-O-L-M-M-P-O-D at gmail.com. <laughs> Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash M-O-L-M-M-F-Month. <laughs> This is this is why we don't have enough Patreon supporters, isn't it? <laughs> What's an amp? As always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. Corey. And I am a mighty pirate. <laughs> and your dancing is inappropriate for the PG audience we're aiming for. <laughs> so good. Suggestive. <laughs> Alright, see y'all next month. <laughs>